Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Last week we saw the miracle of the loaves and fish, and Jesus feeding the multitude. And although there is great emphasis placed on the miracle, the message is not only that Jesus had the power to feed, but that he has the desire and the will to feed you. And yes, even you and even me. Our lesson this week picks up right where last week's left off. And Jesus sent his disciples on a boat, headed to the other side of the lake to go on ahead of them, on, on ahead of him. And then Jesus went up the mountain to pray. So when evening came, Jesus was up there praying and he was alone. Um, And he looked out and could see that the boat was miles offshore and it was being beaten by the waves. The disciples are rowing against the wind and against the waves. You know, the waves have like kicked up the way the wind has kicked up the waves. And so the waves are coming at them. So they're rowing into the waves and the wind, and it's just really a rough ride. It's not necessarily a storm uh, that's being described. Uh, not like in chapter 8 where, uh, where Jesus calmed the storm. This isn't a storm. This is just waves and wind. But they're working hard. They're going against it. Um, and, and here it says that um, in the fourth watch, that would be, between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. So it's very early in the morning that they're out there and he sees them. And here he comes, walking to them on the water, walking across the sea, coming out to meet them. They're miles out by this point in time. Now, as we listen to the gospel lesson, we know that it's Jesus who's walking out to meet them. But keep in mind, they don't. They don't know that. They just see this figure walking on water. Well, who walks on water? Not people. So you can imagine, they're scared. I mean, it's scary. You're out there fighting the wind and the waves, and you have this character comes walking over towards you. They think, oh, this is nothing good. And they even said, it's a ghost. It is a ghost coming to them. So they cried out in fear. Now, what's interesting is the text tells us that Jesus met their fear, first of all, immediately. They cried out and he immediately answered their fear. And secondly, he met their fear by speaking comfort to them, by speaking a word of promise to them. Actually, it's a word of promise and command because these are the things he said. One, have courage. I think ESV translated it as take heart. Uh, the, the, word is, the word is courage. It's saying, have courage, be of good cheer. It's, it's that sort of a thing. You know, take heart, works fine, I suppose, too. Be, uh, have courage, he says. Second thing, it's I. It's I. In, in other words, no, it's not a ghost. It's me, Jesus. And then the third thing, this is the command. Stop being afraid. He spoke this in the imperative, which is a command. Stop being afraid. And these words of Jesus in these words is both a command and a promise. Promise that it's him. That they don't need to be afraid. That he has come not to cause them some harm, 
actually that they're safe now because he is the one that is there with them. They need not be threatened or in fear of this ghost that's coming. Have courage. It's me. Stop being afraid. Now, when Jesus speaks words of comfort, we ought to listen, right? (laughs) I mean, we, for example, we worry about things sometimes. Oh, we worry about, you know, what are we going to eat? You know, what's the... You know, where's, where's my next paycheck going to come from? Uh, you know, is God going to make things better? You know, things are rough right now. But we worry about things. We have anxiety. And Jesus says, why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the, the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. In other words, Jesus is saying, You worry about clothing, just as one example. You worry about clothing. But look, God clothes the flowers of the field in beautiful arraignment. And you don't think you're that much more important than the flowers of the field? But you are. So don't worry about that. And we say, thank you, Jesus. That's all I needed to hear. Now I'm done worrying. I'm just going to go on my life without any anxiety. Except we don't, of course. We fear sometimes persecution for our faith. Not even necessarily persecution. Maybe it's just reprisal. You know, like we, we fear our neighbors aren't going to, you know, like us if they find out that we're those like, you know, Bible thumping, you know, uh, uh, zealots or something. You know, we, we fear that. We fear that persecution or that uh, slight that we might get. Jesus said, don't fear those who kill the body. I mean, he's talking about a whole nother level of persecution than what we endure. When he, when he says this, but he says, don't feel those who can kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both body and soul in hell. Oof, <laughs> That's, that is rough. And, and we listen to him, we say, you're right, Jesus. I am emboldened. I'm gonna do all, I don't need to fear anything. I'm just gonna go on and live uh, with the utmost confidence, free from anxiety, uh, except we don't. We don't do that because Even though we hear that word of promise, even though we know that word comes from God himself, that sinful nature is a beast, and it's tough to break away from that. It's tough to believe and to trust God's word fully. We're going to struggle with that all our lives. We will struggle with that. That's That's why we're like Groundhog Day. You know, every Sunday we come in, we confess our sins, we receive absolution, we listen, we hear, we, we listen to God's word. God, speak to me again. I know you've spoken to me every day for my whole life, but continue. Please don't stop speaking to me because I'm a stubborn mule and I need to hear it over and over and over again. <clears throat> yeah, we hear his word and we ought to believe and trust fully and completely, but we can't ever seem to do that. And likewise, Peter struggled here. I mean, look at what he said. Jesus spoke a word of promise and comfort to them. And what did Peter say? Uh, uh, Lord, if it is you, if, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. In other words, Peter is saying, the word of comfort, Jesus, that you spoke, that was all good and well, but I'm going to just require a little bit more from you. I want you to 
you know, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to test this situation. I'm going to test this. I'm going to come to you. You command me to come to you on the water, and then I'll come out on the water. That's how we'll know for sure that this is God's word. That's how I'll know for sure that I can believe your word of, of, of promise. So that's, that's Peter. If, if it is you, command me. Now, think about the demand that Peter makes, the way I just presented it, okay? Because I'm just trying to bring it out. Like, this is what Peter was saying when he said, if it is you. And this is impertinence. I mean, this is, it's, gall, it's got to be galling to Jesus. I mean, uh, sorry, Peter, did you just see that I like walked across the water to get to you out here? Yeah, it's me. <laughs> but no, Jesus doesn't. He, he just simply says, come. He answers him immediately. Come, Peter. Yeah, come on. And Peter, for this brief moment, actually walks on water. He actually walks on water, at least for long enough to get to Jesus. Because he does arrive at Jesus on the water. And then he looks and he sees the waves. And he gets scared and he starts to sink. And of course, he calls out, Lord, save me. Now, Jesus did reach out his hand, saved him. Because that's what Jesus does. He saves so he immediately saved Peter, and he did rebuke him. He called him a little faith. Well, it's, it's, uh, you got to put those words together. The text says, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? But it is actually more like he called him little faith. Hey, you, little faith, why did you doubt? Now, he has faith that saves, but he's little faith. And with this passage here, a lot of times emphasis is going to be placed on Peter's faith. And then by extension, then it gets placed on your faith. And then the questions come up. Do you have faith strong enough to walk on water? You know, we're going to ask ourselves that question or someone is going to plant that in your mind that that's what this is about. Is is your faith strong enough that you can walk on water? Or or the other thing is the emphasis could be uh, placed on your eyes. What are your eyes focused on, brother? Are you looking at Jesus or are you watching the waves around you? See, that's the lesson, is that Peter was watching the wrong thing. He should have been watching Jesus. I mean, it's not that that's not true. Of course, Peter should, and we all should be watching Jesus. Our gaze should be fixed on Christ, of course. But is that really the object lesson here? Is that... Is this an object lesson to teach us to muster up your faith and, and make sure you're focused on the right things, you know, like a certain amount, like tail wag, yeah, finger wagging at you. Make sure you're gazing at the right things. Is that what Jesus is doing? Or maybe it's some combination of them. If you keep your eyes on Jesus, you'll walk on water. It's like, you know, a promise of like this super duper spiritual sainthood thing that you can have. I'm going to walk on water because I'm, you know, believing on Jesus. I'm focused on Jesus and I'm doing all these wonderful things because of it. Sometimes that's where the emphasis goes. But rather than asking if your faith is strong enough to walk on water, the better question here is, do you have ears 
to hear the word of promise and believe it without having to walk on water? That is really the question. Peter is rebuked because Peter doesn't believe the word of promise that Jesus gave to him. It's me, not a ghost. Be of good cheer and stop being afraid. And Peter's response, as with all of the disciples' response, as with our response, should be, yes, sir, thank you for speaking a word of comfort and peace to me. I hear you. I obey. But Peter's response was, well, let's just check and make sure. You know, let's check, test your word, God. So he gets up and walks out there. That's what he was being rebuked for. I mean, if the moral of the story here is just to try harder and do better, then it's really not good news. (laughs) I mean, actually, it's bad news for us because especially those of us who have been around the block for a few years because you do work harder, you do try harder, and you still always, no matter how hard you try, you do tend to come up short. So it's not good news to hear, oh, just try a little bit harder. You're almost there. Just a little bit more. But that's not the the point. The point here is not that you need to have sufficient faith to keep your eyes on Christ. No, that's not the point. The point is that Jesus is faithful, that he keeps his eyes on you. Just like Jesus was watching the disciples in the boat rowing hard against the waves. He saw what they were doing because he watches them. And the point here is that Jesus comes to you just like Jesus came walking out on the water to meet the apostles in the boat in their time of need. And the point is that Jesus speaks words of comfort to the troubled conscience to the person who is troubled. So the ones that the one that is in the boat that sees and is afraid and cries out, Jesus speaks a word of comfort to them. Even even those of you who could be accused of being little faiths like Peter, those of you who aren't the super duper sanctimonious saint that you ought to be. Yeah, even you, Jesus comes to you. He comes walking on water and coming to you, speaking words of comfort. I have heard uh, Pastor Brian Wolfmuller, some of you may know him. Um, <clears throat> we have one of his books that we've read, and he's on issues, etc. a lot. Really good, uh, very good, excellent communicator and teacher of the faith. But um, he was asked about pastoring a person who was uh, struggling with their faith. And he said, uh, your faith is not strong enough, but your Jesus is. What a simple and profound teaching. And that's what this is saying. Yeah, Peter, you failed again. You got out of the boat again when you should have just believed my word and stayed in the boat, Peter. Stay in the boat. (laughs) But you got out and you tested my word. But don't worry, your faith is not strong enough. But Jesus, your Savior, 
is strong enough to save you. And Jesus has a disposition, a will to save you, to take upon himself all of your sins and the sins of the entire world, to take them to the cross for your salvation. That's Jesus Christ. Yes, Jesus knows all of the struggles that you face. And he comes to you with comfort and he says, do not fear. And we hear that word of promise. Hear the word of promise and believe it. Because it's not, it's not predicated upon the strength of your faith. It's predicated upon the strength of his word, which is certain and true and cannot err. The peace of God which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.